0: Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products and services local businesses need to grow and thrive on sort of our topic today is that um, numbers don't lie. And looking at some of the stats I found on Statistics Canada I say that we have a rapidly aging population and I'm probably not saying anything out of, out of turn and many people don't know, but there's obviously healthcare and social issues related to that or potential issues. Right? And one of the things that I found actually was interesting is that most, most people, um, 90% of older Canadians would prefer to age in place. So they, they wanna stay where they're at. So, uh, how do you accomplish this in a safe and productive environment? Well, our topic today, we welcome Janine Carlson to Business Matters. Welcome, Janine. Thank you for joining us. Um, Janine is the owner and managing director of Home Instead for the central Okanagan region. And uh, for over 25 years, Home Instead has delivered compassionate, high-quality care to seniors. So we're going to chat about all that today and learn about more about your business. So let's get started.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much.
0: No problem. So uh, Janine, um, can you tell us about Home Instead um, for people that don't know who you are, what you do? Um, can you kind of fill us in a little bit on that?
1: Sure, it's um, it's a franchised company. Um, uh, so we are global probably, I believe the largest company globally. So we're all over North America, Japan, Asia, Australia, Europe. Um, and it, the office for Home Instead has actually been in Kelowna f- since 2002. So okay. really well established in the community, um, and basically the business that we do is caring. Okay. So we take care of people. It's um, it's completely customized to what they need. Most of the time, it's seniors, but not always. Um, it is adults that that need support, uh, and that can be anything from companionship, where where we go and actually literally just plans, fun, amazing things to do with people, um, all the way to end of life care, which could be, um, full on, maybe there's lifts involved, perhaps they're palliative. So we can run that full gamut. We have nurses and caregivers that work for us. Um, and we cover central Okanagan, basically okay falls all the way to Lake country. So
0: you'd mentioned, um, some of the services you provide, and I wanted to expand a little bit on that or talk a little bit about that is that, um, it's not just having to be where you're coming in and you know taking for lack of a better word uh care of someone full time it could be where you like you said just personal care i saw somewhere like helping with money management like is that a thing as well like you 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 kind of can fit where people are needed both yes. Maybe money management. but yeah,
1: is- yeah. i'm like well you know sometimes we'll help to pay bills or we yes, teach okay. somebody how to activate get their Get their um, stuff online and set up automatic payments. Those kinds of things we can do that stuff. But really, we do every single situation is uh, brand new. We don't have, we don't have like a cookie cutter package that we put in place. We go to the person or the family's home. We meet with as many people want to be invo- that want to be involved, and it could be family or it could be um, friends. It could be um, guardians or power of attorney people. So whoever needs to be involved, and we kind of assess the full situation and pull out from people, what are the need to have things, but then also what are the want to have things. Um, And some people just start twice a week. And those are generally ones where they maybe need a little bit of help with appointments or grocery shopping, or it's pure companionship. So those are the ones where you might go and plan um, when it's not COVID, plan to go see like one of our ladies we used to the caregivers would take her to the movies every Saturday and any play that was on that was a musical she loved musicals so we would take her to musicals and stuff so you know we really look at what is needed sometimes we're supporting um, the spouse because their partner has dementia and they can't really be alone very long but the spouse needs to have some time to go do either necessary things for the household, or just get some space for them to connect with their friends again, those kinds of things. And so we can then um, be with the person that has dementia, either at home, or we can take them out and go places. So it really depends.
0: So we use, I use the word sort of aging in place. Um, And for those that maybe have not heard that term before, like, what does that mean?
1: What we usually say to people is um, we can help you stay in the place that you call home for as long as you are able to be there. Um, And that's not dependent on care because we can do all of the care that's required right to end of life, as I said. Uh, But sometimes people have different needs or we are uh, purely privately funded. There is no public funding for what we do. So some people would have financial constraints. They might be able to do a certain amount of care, but beyond that financial that's not manageable. So we really work within what people are able to do for as long as they want us to do that. So, But it is really at the place they call home, wherever that is, we do look after some people that are actually in long-term care in some places. Um, And that's because a lot of times the staff who are so amazing in the long-term care homes they're they are so busy they don't have time to sit down and play scrabble for two hours with one of the dementia clients and so we do that we have a lady that uh she kicks butt at scrabble I think it's twice a week now we're in there and for three hours they play scrabble solid she has pretty advanced dementia but she can play scrabble like a fiend which I think is amazing (laughs) that's
2: that's
0: great so you know when I was kind of looking at this from a level of sort of the, the the quality of life people have when they're, well, again, we'll talk about aging in place as compared to not to, like, I and, and I'm, I'm not sure if there's, you know, a number out there that would speak to that, but can you speak around sort of what that means to the family, not even just individually, so that you mentioned spouse or kids that might be, and, yeah. and sort of what other benefits there are of, of having someone age in place as compared to not?
1: Um you know, it's, it's so, it's so varied, but I think just the, the piece around the, the level of comfort. So even when you have us come in, I say to people, no matter what, it's a little bit awkward at the beginning because here you are in your home and some strange person shows up. That's going to ostensibly be your helper and friend, you know? And so it, we, we try really hard to make a great match with that. Um, So, so the kind of look at the personalities and stuff, but it's still a little bit, takes a little bit to get rolling. So by someone being in their home, I think that that can happen a little easier. So first of all, the caregiver goes in, they can actually see stuff all around that indicates what's important to that person. Uh, How do they define themselves? What things are on the walls? What pictures are out? So it helps to begin that connection. So being in the home that can really help. And then also the clients, level of comfort is, is also there in the home. They're not in a brand new place meeting brand new people. Uh, If they have some level of dementia, the more you can keep familiar and work within that, the easier it is. And the more secure it feels. Um, If you imagine someone with dementia, um, they can't always make sense of the details that are happening around them. And so if they're in a brand new place and there's brand new people, um, that can be confusing and um, scary. Like all of a sudden, if you don't know why, but you're landed in some new place, you, you you're trying to figure it all out. It just adds another level of stress and sometimes discomfort. So, so that really helps.
0: Um, you mentioned earlier. So, how far-reaching do you guys go? Like, what areas do you cover geographically for the services you provide?
1: Um, our our office is, uh, our main office is in Kelowna, but we covered from uh, Okanagan Falls all the way to Lake Country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there isn't another office until we hit Calgary or, uh, lower mainland. And so there, there's, there's eight in the lower mainland and there's three on the island.
0: Hmm. So how did you, if we kind of, roll back the clock a little bit is how did you get into the industry? Like what drove you to get involved in, I mean, there, there, there's definitely a level of caring and passion and compassion. And like you, you deal with, you know, you, you become attached to these, you know, the people you care for. I would assume like there's, there's a the caring side of you that got, got you into this a career like this. So how did that come about?
1: Well, my background is nursing. So okay. um, I did my nurses training in Vancouver way back. In the yeah. and, um, uh, So I but I worked pediatric critical care when I was at the bedside which is really the farthest away that you can get from senior care it's very very different but I did a ton of things in the in-between time I got a master's in counseling so always super uh, focused hospital wise and then I started selling big equipment into hospitals I ran a surgical center so all this experience, and I met a woman who told me that she was going to open an office in Vancouver for Home Instead. And we were at some networking event or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was so lit up about it. And she was working for the West Van office at the time to get a feel for the business and stuff as she was looking at opening her own. And eventually we talked about partnering. And my first reaction was, was I I don't really, I don't really know anything about senior care. Every time I'd see her, it was so obvious that it was such a it's such a basic need as a human to know that we make a difference, and not every job is as easy to see that. Like every job is important, or else that vocation would not exist. For sure, but it's not as easy to connect to how you've made a difference in someone's life in all all jobs. This was obvious, and so we decided to actually open the office in Vancouver. So. I did that with her, and as we did that, for me, there's a a double a double reward. There is that what what we do by running this business in Vancouver first, and now in the Okanagan, yeah. has such broad impact. It's not it's the client for sure, but it's not just the client. It's their entire family that sends us messages back, going, "Oh my God, thank you so much for taking care of every facet of their lives." And, you know, I feel better because a lot of the kids for seniors in Kelowna don't live in the Okanagan. The people that came here to retire, their kids are elsewhere, you know, all over the place. So we do a lot of that, but also for us, um, so in the office, it's myself and six other people that support our workforce and clients. And so for us, like yesterday, I spent five hours at a client's home that's just come home from hospital who has a really complex diagnosis and needs a lot of supports at home. And so getting all of that set up with our caregivers, make sure it's running smoothly. Like I still get to have some hands-on and see the exact things that we're doing. Uh, And then our caregivers, like a lot of them, they um, never really saw themselves doing this either. We have quite a workforce that are sort of early retired people Mm -hmm. and they wanna give back and they're involved. We had one lady looking after somebody for seven years and was became a part of that family so the 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 things it gives to you more at um at that spirit level like nourishing right. me kind of at a level that's not just about food and um revenue or any of those things that's really key that's made a huge difference so
0: interesting and so what what got you into actually as an owner so you i, I you kind of told the story and how you come, come into sort of the profession but what 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 made that what made you make the jump from being in a profession to being, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going, to,
1: I'm going to be an owner. Doing an entrepreneurial thing. Like, you know what? It's funny because I never, I never had seen myself being an entrepreneur. Actually, right. I was always either when I was nursing, that was one thing, but then I was just a really well-paid corporate employee. That was, that was what I thought I would just always be doing. But after I got my counseling degree, um, I did a number of things. I realized I didn't want to be a one-on-one counselor. I had been in business too long already, and I really missed that um, vibe and the pace and stuff. So I used it a lot with the teams I worked with. Um, And over time, I started to get more and more interested in people development. And so actually, when um, the woman who approached me about the office in Vancouver talked to me, What grabbed me was the idea of building something and developing the people in a way that I felt really driven to develop. So, for me, the bigger hit is the people development. So, my team here, our team working together on some of the things that we do, the ways that we come together, and then our broader team of the caregivers out in the field. Um, For me, that's what lights me up the most. And then knowing we do important work is just like, wow, you know, how could you not want to do this? But the entrepreneurial thing was a surprise to me that I really, really enjoy. It's a little stressful sometimes. Oh, so, yeah, I know a lot of It's amazing.
0: <laughs> so how do you, you you mentioned sort of yesterday being at a, a client's, like how do you balance You wear many hats, like the, the part of you want want to, you know, work in the business rather than on the business. Like how do you juggle that? And what is
2: that? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. you know what? Um, that was a real struggle the first couple of years because we started the office in Vancouver from scratch. So there was us two owners. There was nobody else. We hired, we interviewed every caregiver. We did the consult with every client we did. If a caregiver didn't show up, we did the shifts. I mean, sometimes office staff still has to do that now. If there's a last minute thing. Um, so that was really hard when I was at that office to step away. We slowly started hiring people. That office now is crazy successful. My partner uh, bought me out while I moved here. Um, and they've got a really big team. But in the beginning, it's hard. When I came here, the team was already here, of five people. I had never had that. We had, uh, I think we had three people working for us when we left, I left Vancouver. And so it took me a little while actually to find my role here because I didn't need to be as involved in the day-to-day's So that took, that was an adjustment. And I think that's probably what every entrepreneur that builds goes through that adjustment of how do you start pulling yourself out of the day-to-day but don't just leave it. You know, some, I think sometimes the temptation is I've put somebody good in place over there and they'll just take care of all of it. And I don't need to even look at it. Um, uh, I, I still am involved. I know most of the clients I read, At this point, I read every single caregiver report still that comes through on the email um, because I like knowing what's going on, but I know I don't have to do something about it. I have a really capable team. And even if I send out a message and say, hey, did anybody see? They're all like, oh yeah, we totally got that handled. So I mean, I guess that's the other piece is having good people that you trust and that you know, see the work the way you you see the work or how I see the work so
0: so you mentioned sort of your team um how big of a team do you have how many people do you have uh,
1: uh we have a right now we have about 67 caregivers and uh six office staff
0: and do you find is it difficult filling those roles That like specifically around caregivers like have you had uh recruitment or hiring issues around any of that
1: um yeah it's 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 challenging. Um, there, it's a, a workforce that is, um, everybody basically is talking about it, um, the fact that it's a really challenging workforce to find enough people. We're lucky because uh, we train everybody from scratch. So I don't, I don't need to have a care aide. The tasks that the care aides uh, learn in school, I can train them on as an RN. So we can train them as they need to be, um, and so it gives us a, a bigger pool to choose from. So we really look for the personality and the willingness. They have to be willing to learn all that stuff, right? but we can train that here uh, and within our culture and our way of doing things because we, we do things really different than uh, public side. And a lot of times we work really closely with public side, which is a great setup. Right now, the client that I was at yesterday public is in there supporting them along with us. And so we talk constantly. I have the names of the, the case, the nurse that's running things, the um, therapist, the OT person. So we will talk with them a lot to make sure the care is very well put together, but it is really, um, uh, it's something that's always a challenge. How do we get them and how do we keep them? What is, what is it people value? And I think every business has got to go through this. How do you get great people and keep them?
0: So when, do they have to have a certain level of education? Like, what do you look for? I guess, what's the base? I, I, Cause I, you're saying, I mean, we're the same, I'm the same way. Like, I, I think a lot of it you can train.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But like, is there a basic that they have to have to come into, to become a caregiver?
2: You know
1: what? Um, There's a, there's a basic level. Um, There's a basic level of maturity, yeah. but I see sometimes there might be somebody who comes to us that. Um, has worked for a long time and maybe they didn't finish high school. I don't know if I have actually seen anybody in the last while that hasn't finished high school. It used to be a lot more common, but they've had incredible work experience. So we really look at it each time. Is this going to be a fit? And then we have to know that personality wise, it's good, as I mentioned before, but I, I will generally like, it's not something that a person in high school um, I, I, just because, uh, first of all, the scheduling stuff up wouldn't work out for them, <clears throat> but also that life experience, it's tough without having a bit of life experience to create some of the connections that we need. Um, and that's not to say there wouldn't be an exception to that rule out there. Cause there are some remarkable people still in high school,
2: yep.
1: but generally speaking, uh, we're going to look for somebody who's probably in their twenties, at least. Um, and if they've had some experience elsewhere, working with people that helps. So there's things there, but we're open to, uh, basically talking to people that feel like they could be a fit, regardless of what the resume says.
0: Fair enough. Um, so you've been in the industry for, I guess, for a while now, right? 15 years. and, And, um, Specifically, how has the industry evolved? Like how, what have you seen sort of that, you you know, in the last 10 years, like uh, is there technology that's that's now being able to use as a tool, things like monitoring and so forth? Like what have you seen over the last five, 10 years? You're like, wow, we've, we've made big advancements in this.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I think what we're seeing is integrated care a lot more. So that's coming through with our company, but it's also coming through with other companies as well where... Um, pretty soon we'll probably have tablets in the homes. Um, and originally it, it just starts, uh, it starts with the caregivers connecting seniors to their families. So they're, they're starting it already with their phones. Mm-hmm. You know, the senior wants to call, or maybe the family has sent mom and dad an iPad. And so the caregiver helps them get on FaceTime with the kids. Right. Um, but now we're taking it to another level where there's tablets that are connected into our scheduling system. So uh, caregivers can clock in and clock out right now. They have apps on their phones, So they clock in and clock out on their apps. They can see the full patient assessment. They can get a notice every time we're asking them if they want to take on a new shift. So they're already doing all of that. And that's really evolved in its complexity. The COVID questionnaires are online and comes to them the evening before. And they answer those questions that night for the next 24 hour period. Uh, They can screen their clients and click something on their phone. So we get information immediately if anybody is at risk. Uh, So all of those pieces are now mobile, but now the side is coming into for the client where there's a way for caregivers to be able to write their notes in that tablet. Family will be able to read it. They'll be able to call family on that special tablet. Scheduling is on there. Um, But even more valuable is often we'll get a call from a caregiver and they'll say, oh, you know what, Betty has um hit her leg since I was here on Tuesday and it's kind of open I'm a little concerned about it what do you think I should do well now we get them to take a picture and send it to us but on the tablet we could have it live and we could see it a lot better we could walk them through some stuff if they need to do something We'd be like get the polysporin cover the area you know make sure you cover a little bit more and then just uh you know put a bandage on it or add a, a gauze or something like that so we could walk them through stuff right in the home. So it brings us into the home. And I think that's very parallel to what we're seeing in healthcare right now as a whole, especially with COVID that's brought everything forward leaps and bounds. So, I mean, now if you want a doctor's appointment, you're going to be on the phone. They're not really doing video quite yet, very much, mostly phone, but I tell you, video is, it's priceless. Yeah.
0: You mentioned, sorry. Um, how has the pandemic changed the way you've had to do business? Like, it, like how, how how you've had to alter the way that you are running your business or a way that you're working with uh, clients?
1: Um, it's changed some basic things. We always did what we called introductions. So, if a new client was going to a caregiver's home, one of the office staff would meet the new new caregiver there and introduce them to the client, kind of show them around the house live and in person now we try to limit the contacts of extra people with our seniors so now what we do is we do all of that information uh, over the phone with the caregiver we'll run through the full care plan and we talk to the family or the client depending on who's making decisions about the caregiver that's coming we figure out anything new so we do a lot more of that over the telephone now trainings changed we used to be able to pack the room full of people and i could train 10 people at a time but we don't have enough space for that now so we max out at four in the room. So it's a little less efficient that way. Um, But some of the other pieces where um, I think just family members are tending to be involved in ways that maybe they didn't imagine before, um, but now it has become more normal to them. So they're more amenable to it. So supporting people um, via Zoom, this kind of thing that helps meetings with families. We can have multiple meetings. We're doing what we call care insurance, where we bring caregivers together, uh, our caregivers, because they hardly see each other. if you imagine one of our caregivers is out in someone's home by themselves with that client, they don't know all the other 56 caregivers or 68 caregivers. So <clears throat> we were doing them in person beforehand. Again, our training is not that big, but they loved it. They'd sit together and they'd all talk and they'd tell stories of like, what, what would you do in this case? And They got to feel that team. So we, we've started doing those on Zoom. So that allows us to bring in the Penticton caregivers, the Lake Country caregivers, um, and they can talk to folks that they wouldn't necessarily see, like the Kelowna caregivers. So there's even more idea exchange. And we found with engagement that's been really important because people will stay for the job, yes, but it's even harder for them to decide to leave if they have connections. Yeah. So if we can create a lot of connections for them in a lot of different layers then um, we hope that it makes it so that those people want to stay with us for a really long time, that it's rewarding and um, sort of meets all of their needs, including that feeling of team, so.
0: Interesting. Um, What does the, I guess I'll call it, onboarding process look like? So if someone someone wants to work with you, what what are the steps that you take before you just, obviously, don't just show up? So what does that look like?
1: Uh, we pretty much walk them through a number of steps of phone interview first just to basically screen and make sure they've got the basic things like we really prioritize prioritize people that have a vehicle because we're kind of spread out our territory is a bit spread out so we it's really helpful they don't have to but it's super helpful so we're we're asking those kinds of things figuring out basic levels of experience bring them in uh, then for a face-to-face interview or when we were in more severe lockdown zoom um, and then at that time, if it's a good candidate, we send them out a sign that has runs through all of our policies and procedures, has them sign off on them, and a criminal record check for vul- vulnerable persons. Yeah. Um, and so they have to pass all that in order to show up for training. And then training is uh, um, over a number of days, which is also kind of part of the interview process. So we've had some caregivers that get halfway through and they go, I don't think this is for me which is great because it's good for them to know that and then there's some that we go I don't know that this is gonna work for you so it also helps and then throughout the process uh, depending on the person we try to kind of put them in at the level they're at and we grow them a lot so we do a lot of coaching after every shift we call the caregiver especially when it's new shifts Uh, every first shift we call the caregiver afterwards and the family to find out how did it go what tweaks do we need so we do a lot of coaching at that point still and then even how they're responding in those first three months to coaching to growing who they are is really also important so the folks that are here past three months are usually here for a long time but if we're going to lose somebody it's almost always in that first three months
0: first three months Mm -hmm. yeah Interesting. Um, we're going to switch focus a little bit and then we're going to come back. I do have a few more questions I want to wrap up with, but we're going to get to know you a little bit. We're going to park the the business for a bit. Um, I have 10 questions for you and, and, um, we're going to get to know you. So what for you, what's the best way for you to start your day when you get up? What's the,
1: I actually start my day with meditation every single, every single morning.
0: Interesting. How long have you been doing that for?
1: Um, on and off, um, on and off and really off when it was off for yeah. probably at least 15 years, but going for years without doing any. Um, but this last little while, it's every single day for the last probably six months or so. You're
0: interesting. Yeah. Um, if you found out that you just won the I just read that someone won like a billion dollars in a lottery. <laughs> you won the lottery, awesome. more money than you you could even imagine. What what would you do? What'd be the first thing you do?
1: Um, I'd change my phone number. <laughs> I you get a lot of phone calls for money. Um, and I would get in touch with a really good financial planner because I don't know what the hell to do with a uh, billion dollars. Um, I would, I would keep working, but probably in a different capacity.
2: Um,
1: and I would probably pour quite a bit of money into my business to do all the things that as a owner, you're kind of like, oh, I really love to do that thing. But I got like, I could only do so many things cash flow, So I, because I love this, um, and my husband and I, we don't have kids, so I don't have a lot of other distractions. I would, I would keep working, and I would look at what else I could do to contribute. So that capacity, I wouldn't maybe be here always, but what I would do is, what could I do to benefit other things? So yeah, it'd be a fun problem to have.
0: Yeah, it would be. <laughs> You're like, give me the money, I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. If you went out on one night and it was karaoke night and you had to jump up on a microphone and sing, what would what, be the song, your song of choice?
1: Oh, Lord, that is such a hard one because <laughs> I am such a music mutant. Uh, uh, I never had any music in my world as a teenager, and I'm pretty sure my brain missed some essential mapping. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I love a lot of the 90s pop stuff. Um, uh, but I've recently become a big fan of The Voice, so oh. now I'm all about all. I'm all about the voice because right. I'm getting to learn way more music. So it's really helpful. But that that's a really I'm really super bad at music. That's I a- actually told my husband one time that I I was so proud I could identify a song, and I said I it's ABBA right? And he's like, No, no, honey, it was Queen. But okay, <laughs> I'm like, oh like how can you even mistake that? So anyway.
0: Uh, you know, on. You'll just sit, you'll just sit and watch then as someone else thinks
1: I'll do the doo-wop in the back yeah, <laughs> no words or anything <laughs>
0: um, as you've been going through your career is there someone that you really admire like it could be someone that you've worked with or from afar Is there someone that you kind of look up to or you've you know you've maybe read books or someone in your in your career path that you've really looked up to
1: um, you know there's been a lot of people on the personal development side um that I've followed and and done different things with but probably the biggest impact and it's not someone that I've ever met was um um oh shoot now it's just gone um shoot uh the yeah, it's gone the Brit, my uh name just left it Darren Hardy also follows him Jim Rohn Jim Rohn there you go I had to kind of through. and a couple of things he said that stuck with me so for so long has been um, how humans need to live out their potential. Uh, one of the concepts he talked about and this is a, probably a gross uh, um, summary of it that's not going to be as succinct as what he said, but the idea that we are meant to live to our fullest potential. So every day that we do less than we know we're capable of doing. And I don't mean like driving hard all the time. I mean, just our, our, our capabilities. If we do less than we know we're capable of, we actually begin a process of demoralization for our, our own self-image. And so he talks about a story about how high does a tree grow? It grows as high as it can. Yeah. You see a tree going, oh, I'm only gonna grow this tall. I'm not gonna grow any taller, right? And I just have always thought it's so funny. I love his voice. I love his diction. Like the way he talks, his little jokes is super engaging for me, and it's really positive in a way that builds you up. Doesn't kind of chastise you for not doing enough or working hard enough or any of that. So yeah, so he's a good one, Jim room.
0: If um if you could only eat one meal for us straight life, what would it be?
1: Oh, ah, uh, that's so hard because I love food. <laughs> I love food. Um, you know. It, it could be pretty much anything but I would really love it if one of my closest friends um Graham MacLennan, who has an amazing podcast called Chef de Money, uh if he cooked it for me uh, I could eat those meals for the rest of my life he's such a great cook he's a lawyer oh, okay he's actually a chef so oh um, interesting. yeah but and I do love food the only thing I really don't care about is liver unless it's foie gras I really like foie gras I just had liver and onions last
0: week
2: Oh, yes, I can't do that one. (laughs) Good for Um, you, though. Good for you.
0: It is, yeah. (laughs) Um, What's what's your favorite way to spend a day off? If you get a day off, how would you spend it? Let's pretend there's no COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Probably in the daytime, it'd be outside. So if it's winter, skiing, summer hiking, or biking somewhere outside, um, and then it would be, um, with close friends, like, you know, group of six ish or something going for an amazing dinner mm-hmm. or having Graham cook us amazing dinner, uh, yeah. whatever that would be. Um, and yeah. Surrounded by friends, outdoors, great food, good wine, um, lots of laughs, um, surrounded by love and, and, uh, the people I care about.
0: If you're a foodie, is there a place that, is there a meal that really stands out to you? Like, did you ever go to a restaurant and you're like, wow, like, I need to go back there or you keep going back there or is there anything that really stands out for you
1: um you know what uh when we were in Vancouver still of course there's a, a ton of amazing restaurants but there was one we went to a lot called the pear tree restaurant um Scott and Stephanie Yeager he's okay. the chef she was from the house um they closed it down just recently and they did a guest uh chef thing at Naramata Inn in the fall with uh, Ned Bell oh. and it was fantastic um and uh, Ned's doing such a good job out there of bringing in some amazing chefs also chefs that my friend has worked with from Vancouver I think Andrea I can't remember her last name anyway she owns Burdock in Vancouver which is another great restaurant so I think she's supposed to be coming out if the COVID loosens up a little bit and we're allowed to do non-essential travel so um, Stephanie and Scott I, I was telling them when I talked to them they need to move to the Okanagan and open a as <laughs> So I'm really hoping they'll do that.
0: (laughs) Um, Is there someone, a famous person dead or alive that you would love to just meet for a cup of coffee?
1: Um, Yeah, I don't know. There's so many cool people out there. Um, You know, somebody like the the Dalai Lama, Mm. um, although I don't know if he drinks coffee, it would probably have to be tea. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it would be so interesting to see to understand his perspective. I I, I don't practice the, a Buddhist uh, yeah. perspective, but I think somebody like him has been thinking about peace, higher mm. life, um, global peace. I think that that would be remarkable to find out about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he would be an interesting person to sit in and, and just talk with for a few hours. But there are a lot of those people around, and there is a lot of those kind of people. Right here around us. It just takes right. conversations like this, which are amazing. Thank yeah. you for doing um,
0: um What's your favorite place you ever visited? Is it somewhere you travel that you just?
1: Oh, that is so hard.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm making I'm to yeah,
1: well, cheat. I mean, like um, in Canada, it's Tofino, hands down for always, forever. Actually, North America it's Tofino. Yeah. Okay. You know? for exotic it's india india was amazing machu picchu is amazing and my one of my closest friends is living in france right now and so i just can go and hang at her house uh near versailles and it's just amazing so um yeah, yeah. probably yeah. almost anywhere i get to go places that's good yeah yeah
2: you're <laughs> done you're done to me <laughs> um
0: last one is outside of what you're already doing you say that you had to uh, shift careers what would you be doing what would be the dream job if you weren't doing what you're doing right now or is it the dream maybe it is
1: it is the dream actually somebody asked me this a little while ago and I was like I this is my purpose Hmm. they're like how did you know and I was like because I just took the next most obvious step Hmm. in every case and it got me here and um everything i've done in the past comes together here in this role that i have mm-hmm. clinical nursing people management growing things idea like everything that i've ever done is here mm-hmm. and so yeah I, I can't imagine something else i'd rather be doing yeah so yeah
0: well thank you for playing along with me getting to know you <laughs> thanks uh, for
1: giving me the chance
0: no problem um kind of you you kind of just started speaking about this but what gets you up in the morning why do you why do you love what you do why is this the role why would like why was your purpose is to do this like what what's the why for you that gets you motivated and you know because it's not i i i mean i applaud because it's not everybody can do what you do right to be
2: yeah yeah
0: to be able to care like that is 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 you know with with all different types of because de- you're not necessarily dealing with all the time with super active people, right? So um yeah, what is it? What what what's what's what about that is the why for you that gets you up in the morning.
1: Well I think it's what, it's like you said, we've kind of touched on it in a few different areas already, but it really it does bring together, I feel like uh, this is the first place I've ever or the first thing I've done that brings everything together at its highest level which comes back to that thing that Jim Rohn says about doing as much as you're capable of. I mean, this has been remarkable that I get to do all these things. And it really, I think it's that piece, it lights me up because it hits so many of my buttons and I believe it's important. So I think that's helpful too.
0: What's the biggest struggle for you today? What, what is like, what's the hill that you're trying to climb next, what's, what's out there?
1: You know what, um, you know, it's, uh, there's so much potential here and I feel like most of the business growth stuff is my, that's my role. Um, and I feel like sometimes there's a lot of different places you can go. So it's kind of like trying to bring it together to be cohesive and productive and have the difference. And there's nobody else that, does this so it's also my um like i need to know i'm doing it right and sometimes i'm worried i'm not doing it right i'm sure everybody faces this i'm like am i doing enough am i doing too much in this area am i maybe i'm not working hard enough maybe i'm working too hard maybe i need more time to be cr-. you know it's like it's that that place of just trying to stay solid but there's the times when you're always going to question um, and I think that's always that's my struggle is like, am I doing enough? am I and am I doing the right things to get where I want to go? What else do I need to know?
2: So.
0: Because I think that's part of being an entrepreneur, we always say in the office, we're always the hardest on ourselves.
1: Yeah, I think so. yeah.
0: That's part of. You know you, you want to continually grow and you want to be better and you and, and, and there's always you can always be better I mean that's part of life right is that yeah. you just stop and go okay well I've reached everything now
1: You <laughs> know right that's not possible, no, not possible. exactly. Yeah. and then we would get bored entrepreneurs yeah. would be you'd be like oh my gosh I, I need it's something exactly. new
0: I've asked the question about winning the lottery and I, I think I said this last week as well is that not one person said well oh, I'm going to retire Every single yeah. person that I've interviewed said, I'll start a new business. I would do something, I would add it to it. like, no one's like, it just, the mindset of an entrepreneur is like, yeah, retirement. Like that's that's a foreign word. It's just like, I want to do more. Right? Yeah. yeah,
1: and I think that's interesting because I think as younger people too, we might all imagine, unless you're already an entrepreneur at 24 or something, but you kind of imagine you're going to work all this time so you can get to retirement and do nothing. Yeah. But once you get there, you're like, who wants to do nothing?
0: Do that <laughs> 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 stresses me out thinking about that. Doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Janine, thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. Before we kind of wrap up, I did not want to end with um, if someone's listening to this and is just wants to no know more, just wants to have a discussion with yourself or someone like, what do you suggest? What's the next steps that they could do to, to have that, that discussion with you?
1: Uh, they could just they could call our office. Okay. Two five zero four eight six zero four one one three, and mentioned that they saw this and they'd like to chat with me. And um, depending on what they're interested in, then I can figure that out. And if it's not me, then one of my other people on the team would be able to chat with them in more detail. That's awesome yeah
2: well, thank
0: you it was it was fun it was fun chatting and I said I always say we're going to take half hour and look at us <laughs> I know I saw the time
1: and I was like oh he's going to cut me off anytime <laughs> nice.
0: now it's, thank it's you, like, you know, I'd love to hear your journey and, and again I applaud what you guys do and what you do because it takes a special person to to do that it's not everybody so and you're definitely in your calling so it, it, Thank you, you hear that in the passion. so um, hopefully maybe we can catch up again maybe over some you know food or wine rather than yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be a great plan. I'd be all for that.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Janine. Thanks for joining um, and really loved hearing the story. And um, for everyone that's tuning in, have a great rest of your day. and, And thank you for tuning in to Business Matters. Thank you.
1: Wonderful. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.